Hey, Kickstarter. Yeah. If I die tomorrow, I hope you hear these words. I ain't here to flip no birds or sip no syrup. Hope the future generations can get this urge. Stay woke, youngin', and avenge these nerds. Uh. Welcome back, guys, to another fun Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Here is your favorite guys from, um, you know, got your boy, Sebastian. It's your boy, Law. I feel like you're trying something. I- I'm just trying everything, man. And it's your boy Tone from across the hall. No, I, I, I feel good today because, you know, we, we took a nice walk, you know, enjoyed the sun. It's getting nice and hot out. That's why. It's, it's been gotcha, a nice day. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, no. So today is like we got a great guest that are gonna come on um, later for you guys um, because we're getting, we're gonna run through some stuff real quick. Um, first being first, so please check out the Nerds Network, uh, which we have in the description. So after the show, if you guys want to check out some other great podcasts, other great streams, other great shows, we're just looking to uh, rotate that every Tuesday. Like for example, the Medusa's Cascade. Please, Law, run us through with the Medusa's Cascade. The Medusa's Cascade podcast is back every Saturday with a new episode of the main collateral damage campaign and thursdays uh i think it's every other thursday now uh we're doing a collateral recap where you can listen to our friend alex from wayward raven who is the host of the show and two of our players or the dm um and talk to them about our player choices and decisions and things that happen in the game and if you guys want to learn more about our Dungeon Master, the creator of the Medusa's Cascade podcast, please head over to Michael Gracia's channel. Check out Get In Tune. He had a great interview with Michael Gracia last week, and those guys kicked it off. It was very awesome. But without- and, uh, oh, and really quick, talking about the D&D, uh, I don't know when the episode that we recorded last Saturday is going to come out, but when it does come out, it's a fucking doozy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, oh, uh, I put out a new episode of What's Your Story on my uh, the Art of Storytelling podcast uh, with Atlas, uh, one of our fellow players and um, just overall great art buddies. But uh, if you want to catch that, it is everywhere you catch our podcast. And um, part two will be coming out this Sunday. So that's all. So make sure you guys will check that out. But without further, because you know, we want to bring on our guests because now we want to get into this episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. So we have two incredible guests that are coming out. Um, our first guest, you may see him with um, our homies um, because they are longtime homies um, at the Cast of Craze podcast. He's an amazing artist. I want to give it up for Annabelle Arayo. Annabelle, what's up? What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? How you doing? Welcome, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, thank you. Okay. I was happy to have also, a friend of Cassie on the show. <laughs> First of all, yes. But Actually, also, thanks, thanks I love the setup, by the way. I, 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 <laughs> thanks for accepting my crash. I, I kind of officially crashed the... Uh, I invited myself, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Listen, we, we welcome everyone to the show. We want to bring everyone. Guys, you definitely can check out his Instagram link on there. We're going to have more links. And definitely check him out on the Catch the Craze podcast. They're, again, great crew that you see there. The, all the crazy production crew. Um, our next guest, he is um, also the showrunner of an incredible con-, con that happens in Hudson Valley called Incredicon. He also hosts an incredible show called Incredicon. Um, Credit chat has had some amazing guests there. Um, I want to give it up for Mike Lopez. Mike, what is up? How are you doing? Welcome. How are you guys doing tonight? Thanks for having me on. Oh, course, thank you Mike. for coming. Right. On. Thanks. So it is a wonderful Tuesday. Has everybody enjoyed that sun? 
Yeah. Yes. Yo, even even yesterday was gorgeous. Like I was out for a while yesterday. Yeah, I'm just working outside in front of my house. It's nice. Just sitting in the chair with the umbrella, drinking some water. It's... Yeah, my only thing is I give it to like April. I mean, I give it to like the end of April, early May before I start really getting comfortable with New York spring because New York spring is like real f- like flimsy. It'll be there for like two seconds and then tomorrow it's going to snow. So... <laughs> Maybe there was a big blizzard. There's on the news today. This oh. time, I spoke no, too soon. I told no, you. No, no blizzard. No. Well, I don't have to shovel snow anymore, so I'm good. Um, but speaking of great weather, how did you guys feel of the opening of this episode, which we're going to dub the Zemo Escape? Um, so I want to um, start off with We are Mike doing Rondes. spoilers, as we always do. Yep, spoilers. Tell um, do the start. thing. Tell do the thing. Uh, uh, all right. So as we always do on the show, we are talking about a cap, uh, a Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode three, the power broker. Uh, there are, will be spoilers afloat. So Tony Stark has died. So let's get to it. So it's Mike. We'll start with you. How did you feel about the opening and the Zemo escape? Um, it was, it was, it was interesting. I mean, you thought it was just the, uh, the layout of the plan, but it was actually happening there. So, <laughs> and then that nice little uh, reveal when he finally showed up there, and they're like, "What the hell happened here?" <laughs> it, it was amazing how they did that. That play by play. Um, Aniba, how did you feel about this opening? Loved it. Totally cool, man. It, it actually reminded me of uh, like one of the uh, Oceans movies, like the Oceans. You know, I like the heist. You know, they had that heist element. To yes, it. exactly. The fact that they kind of condensed it while he's telling the story and you see it happening. You know, it had happened already by the time Falcon found out. And I guess for time's sake, I don't, I don't really know why they combined it like that, but I loved it. It works. I, I, I it really has been like um, one of those great things that I've seen um, Marvel do with their storytelling because we had some interesting storytelling um, with WandaVision and then to see this type of storytelling like they're using that whole like you said from Oceans 13, Oceans 11, the whole heist thing so it's like you you thought that this was something like you guys pointed out that was going to happen later but it's actually going on in real time as they're talking about it but it was just again a great way of awesome storytelling. Um, Law, um, Tony, how did you guys feel about this opening? Yeah, all. all right. So I I dug it. Um, there is something I really enjoy Zemo as a as a villain, and I think the actor who plays him just gives off this this vibe of the smartest dude in the room type of villain. And I think it's it's been a while since we've had that now. Uh, and I think he just he he's always one step ahead. He always knows what's going on. And there's just like these little details that we see when when Bucky walks in, he starts reciting the words just to just to fuck with him, just to see what's going on. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's reading uh, Machiavellian's The Prince. So like just his whole thing of keeping on him with manipulating people yeah, is yeah. just there. And that's just a master manipulator. And we're seeing that come out. And then I was watching, uh, I was watching screencast, uh, screen rant. I, I forget, but they talked about there was a, a an allusion between uh, the Silence of the Lambs of how Bucky to the window is very much like Clarice to the window. And so it was like you don't really notice those things. And I'm, you know, I'm happy we have all that nerd culture for us to kind of bounce and figure stuff out. But it's like it's really cool to it's really cool to to see it and seeing that Bucky's like, I need your help to do this. And there's no other way for us to get forward. So I think they played it out. And like what everyone else said, just the montage of the storytelling of, Hey, this is the plan we have to do. I know you don't like it, but this is the plan we got to do all the while. Like the plan already happened. And I'm just giving you, like, I'm just preparing you. (laughs) I'm preparing you before you get all that news. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was definitely like 
immediate for me, it was definitely Hannibal Lecter vibes. But then also, like, I've never seen that level of, like, oh, not that I haven't seen. Let me, let me retract that statement. I, I'm loving the fact that Marvel is continually introducing villains that we not only, like, really enjoy, but, like, see their side of their argument. And you're kind of just like, are they wrong, though? And this is what I'm loving about Zemo right now, especially. Um, and I love the relationship that's uh, still building with uh, with Bucky and Falcon in that we're seeing like him explain the plan and knowing that Sam's not going to go for it. And he's just like, yeah, so it kind of already happened. Like, I knew you weren't going to go for it, so it's it, this is what it is. Um, and then I don't know if you guys noticed the callback... Um, it happens a little bit later. I'll, I'll, I'll save it for later. I'll save it for later. But save there's it. a bunch of there's a bunch of like interactions between like those two, and mm -hmm. then kind of like the three of them that like are callbacks to like Civil War and a lot of stuff where you're just like, oh, this is gonna be one of those episodes. Well, I want to ask you guys because I have a good question with this one. Um, I, just a little quick question because we're all comic book geeks. We we we've seen how in the beginning with Marvel's villains, and then the most memorable villain that first came out was um Killmonger. Do we? Where do we want to rate now Zemo on that scale without giving too much away what happens later in the episode because we are going to tackle Zemo again. But um, how do you guys rate Zemo on that scale now in the Marvel universe in terms of villains? And Aniba, I'll start with you. Um, I definitely did not see the uh, the comparisons to Hannibal Lecter when I saw the episode. I've only seen it once, but since you brought it up, definitely the uh, the shots of him, you know, from the from the cell speaking to to uh, to Winter Soldier is is definitely taken from from that. And then even the way they showcase his intelligence, like the scene on the I, I, I just talk about it. The scene on the when they're flying and he tells his his butler or whatever to give him the spoiled food, you know, in his language. I cracked up off of that. Like he's just, you know, what I mean, he's like, he's he's like fucking with them in, in a in an intellectual way where they don't even realize it. You know, with with the, with the books, with the stuff he's doing behind the scenes, and uh, as far as how he compares to, uh, what's his name, to Killmonger, he's a totally different type of villain. You know, he's he's more uh, he's mental. He's he's definitely uh, you could tell he's very well educated. Where Killmonger had street smarts that he applied to what he did this guy has like worldly knowledge you know on a whole different scale so it's almost like an unfair comparison when you think about it like that um in terms of which one i'm feeling and the way he operates i definitely like the guy with the smarts overall you know i, I think brains over brawn overall that, that that's my take on it mike yeah no i definitely agree i think uh he's a, he's one of those characters that i'd like to see them go a little bit deeper i mean like Hey, listen, the way Disney's doing everything now, who's to say there won't be a Zemo spinoff at some point, right? right to see yeah. like about his, his backstory, whatever happens after this. I mean, he, he is a he is a deep character, which we're only we only touched upon really in this particular episode, and I mean we saw very little of in the in the films, you know. So it'll be interesting to Doesn't see. Doesn't he lead the Thunderbolts in the comics? He uh, leads them point? later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I just want to go back to that opening too. I was just thinking as we're sitting here talking about it. You know what would have made that that um, heist uh, narration even better? Michael Pena. That's it. Uh, Marvel, if you heard You're that, you get Mike Lopez to hire right there. Give you that idea. Make sure you credit him for it. Bring him right in there. 
<laughs> but Emilio asks, um, how has the new cap not gotten his ass racked? Yeah, he has no powers. He did. He did that second episode. He he did get it handed to himself. He came in there very cocky, and then he got kicked off the truck. Um, but I want to ask this: is um, go um, Mad Rap- Mad Rapar? Am I saying the name right? Mad Rapar. Uh, the city has now come into play in the Marvel universe. We know in the comics there is a lot of history with the city. One of those things that the city has is, is that it is the first meeting point of Wolverine and mm. Captain America in World War II. Mm. So with Madripoor now in play in the Marvel universe. Are we going to see more of that history flushed out in this town? Um, and Mike, I want you to lead in on this one. Uh, you know, that's that's a really good question. You know, that's the one thing that's interesting with with uh, Captain America, oh, not Captain Winter Soldier and Falcon, is that um, we're not having all these like you know. And I, th- I think Wandavision spoiled us with that. Everybody's yes. like, oh, <laughs> oh, we're gonna have Mister Fantastic, or you know, um, you know, Wolverine, or an X Men, or Magneto's gonna show up, and Quicksilver, all this stuff. You know, but you know, we're not really seeing that that conversation happening with this particular show. So that that's a really good point. Is that leading up to something bigger? Are they just laying the foundation now without introducing any characters? So, and I mean, that's been their best storytelling. You know, I saw this little meme today on um, somewhere on Instagram or whatever, and it it showed this picture. You know, it takes them ten years to to use a scene. There was a scene from the first Captain America movie where a woman's photographing. Uh, Steve with the the car door, and then it's in the museum exhibit, and they finally use that picture. So you never know the groundwork they're laying, you know. Yes, and and, and that's why, like with the story, because um, if like a lot of people, like um, again in WandaVision, they like you said, they they put the seeds there in terms of when Agatha was um asking Wanda, where did she get her, like how did she increase yeah. her powers? They already in WandaVision they hinted that she already had powers, and now with Mad Rapport, which yes, Emilio right here, he says it. Um, wait, it's not coming up. Hold up. Sorry, Techno Metaripar was a seed for the future X-Men. It 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 yeah. is a big seed. There's a lot of seeds with Metaripar. But um, Aniba, what do you think with them bringing the city into play now, which has a huge history with the X-Men and the Marvel on the world? Well, I'll I'll point out first of all my my uh, my thoughts on um what Marvel gets right and why they're where they're at right now is exactly what you guys are talking about right now. They know they have a rich history they can just draw from at any given moment. They almost don't need writers for the shows. They can just go into the libraries and yes. once they stick to the story, the main plot points, put that into the episode, plant the little seeds. And if they can go back to it in another series at another time at another episode, it works. And even if it doesn't, if they don't come back to it, we get to know because, you know, we know what's going on. We get to enjoy that. So it, it, again, I, I hate to, you know, compare to the other <laughs> um, it's, it's it's inevitable. You have to compare. That's the main thing that you know. I, I talk with George and, and Jonathan and, and and even Sam about this all the time. That's what they get wrong, and and they just don't understand that when it comes to to these little uh, these little uh, I don't want to call them street level heroes. They're not big superpower heroes. They're kind of they're almost they're a step up from street level. Getting a person like myself who hasn't read a comic book in man. A, a regular comic book series. I haven't read one since I was like a teenager. Getting somebody like me to be interested. I only read X-Men, Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there was a, a, about five different titles that I read. To get me to like and be interested in these characters and invest time in these guys that I never cared about before, 
says a lot, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To get people like me interested in this and they know exactly how to lay those little, you know, those little breadcrumbs to keep you coming back. Because yeah. now Madripoor, that's Patch, that's Wolverine, you know, Wolverine with the, with the iPad. Mm -hmm. See if it goes there and I'm going to tune in. You know what I mean? They, they're smart. They, they, they know what they're doing. Good stuff. And another thing too, what was cool about the city, um, again, you, you look up the history, there was at one point an X mansion there. Oh. There was a, um, the, it's been known to be a safe haven for mutants, such as like the villain Viper. And also, too, it is the home yeah. of a hero um, by the name of Horus. Wow. So they have their Doctor home. Horus. So there's a lot of stuff so that there's possibilities there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Tony Law, weigh in. Um, so I think I think what Marvel does, and I think they do this the best, and I think we saw it in WandaVision as we went down the rabbit holes to not get stuck and go into the, the tall grass, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think they're introducing Madripoor to one get everyone who's read the comics hyped with just lore of existing places in the Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. But I think they, I think, and I, I may be wrong. I may be quoting the episode a little bit, a little bit wrong. But it felt like Madripoor became established after the blip. Mm -hmm. uh, it became this thing after everyone was gone. It became this haven of of criminal underground people trying to take over. You know, kind of filling the void that that the blip did. So. It's gonna. I think it's gonna play a part later on, but I don't know if it's gonna have that deep history and lore dating all the way back because we still don't have the X Men, and I think we will get them. And you know, once Marvel has figured out that puzzle of bringing it together, then sure, let's be here, speculate, let's talk about all the missing pieces and connections. But I think they brought it in to make it a uh, a place that we may see in the future. Um, but I'm. I'm uh, I'm not gonna I can't go into the to the tall grass and get eaten by a raptor yet. <laughs> saying it has all these connections to stuff in the past yeah. until until we see what's going on. Yeah. I think like Tone, where like they they literally just repurposed it and kept the name, kept a lot of the same vibe for it. But like if it does if it doesn't get used with the X Men when the event uh, eventual X Men do come in, like. It's not an entire loss because they repurposed it into something else, and we know comics do, uh, do that all the time. Right. Um, so, could it be some, potentially something down the line that they end up repurposing even again uh, for X Men and for you know things like Patch and you know whatnot? Absolutely, I'm here for it. I think this is one of those things where again it's going to be a uh, very like off you know mentioned thing that we're going to hear. And maybe hear about it down the line, like way down the line in another in another movie, where you know th there's a new uprising or whatever you know the case may be. Um, I will say, visually, visually, that whole opening, like to like introduce like that city, gorgeous. Like oh man, that was like me. That was like me looking at uh, Black Panther like cinematography again. Yeah. Mm. Would you guys want to be caught in the middle of Mad Report? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I mean, you'd go to the party at the at the art gallery, but then you would, but that's in, that's in Uptown, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that, secrets, right? that club <laughs> secret was shit. Yeah, yeah. So, how did you I'm, all... from, the, I'm from the Bronx. Like, I got enough of that here. Like, I'm good. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I want to touch up more on the city because it's like Mad Report, again, it, it does have that rich lore. And, and again, like a lot of people, they walked into like how you put zone into the grass with WandaVision, expecting this, expecting that. And Mike pointed out too, we thought we were getting Fantastic Four. But um, with, with the connection with Mad Report, um, 
and seeing how Marvel has played with their history, the MCU, they're not shy with telling backstories years later, like they did with Captain Marvel. Um, and looking up some of, of the facts about the city, one of the things is that it was in some way mentioned in the first Avengers movie by Maria Hill. But the fact is that we have to see, and I believe like you're right, Lil, that we're going to see more stuff post um, after the blip, but we're also going to see some more backstory with the blip. And here's a question from um, Emilio. Um, Zemo has connections there, long-standing connections. Seems like my report had much more of a history and how was it going to build big buildings during the blip? I mean, and I agree with that. There, I, the, the city again was mentioned in the first Avengers movie, but um, I feel that a lot of the criminals, a lot of the um, the after blip stuff, it's going to make it even more notorious. So it was already on the radar, but now that we're dealing, because um, it leads into this, is that we now know the power broker, how he got, or she, we don't know who the power broker is yet. We know that they are a big figure in this underworld. We know that just by how people were scared about with the name, but he had gotten a scientist who was working on the super soldier serum before the blip and was one of those people who was blipped away and came back to find out that that super soldiers program was no longer there and was picked up by the power broker. Now with that type of story in play, do you guys feel that we're going to get more stories like that? People who were like, okay, I was doing something yesterday. I just came back into this world. What's going on? Um, Aniba, we'll start with you with that. Yeah, they, totally. Uh, like what you just said, uh, they just opened another avenue of what the possibilities could be by including things that happen in that five-year blip span. So absolutely, yeah, I, I believe, I don't know where, you know, they could possibly take, take it. Um, honestly, I didn't even know about the power broker. I had, like I said, I stopped reading comics for a while. A lot of these, uh, like Baron Zemo, a lot of these other figures and, 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 and characters, even from the movies, I know from my action figure collecting days. <laughs> like I, I get a set and I'd be like, I don't know who that guy is, but he's part of the set, so I gotta get him, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I have like a whole bunch of characters that I didn't even know who they were. And that now I'm seeing them, you know, alive in, in the shows and in the movies and stuff. And, you know, the way they're written has me liking them, has me wanting to know more about them. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I like the fact that they set it up where now we can get these little inner stories of, of that 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 gap in time. So, yeah, brilliant. Once again, Mike. Yeah. And even like you're saying, you know, they're, they're setting things up like Captain Marvel, for instance. I mean, unfortunately, it's a year late. But I mean, what things are they going to be setting up inside Black Widow, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there are th there are things that were made in that movie that we may have need to see for WandaVision, for Falcon and the Winter Soldier stuff that comes back to talk to us. I mean, we'll see that in July, but they're and they're going to be doing a lot of like these one one off movies now, which take place in random parts of the Marvel history. So we can go back, like you're saying, right. maybe World War II and see mm -hmm. another story about that and see even how that intertwines right. with the Avenger movie too. Yeah. So I think Mike opened this uh, up for you because you've been saying it about the Eternals movie, which we were supposed to get how many ages ago? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all those all those movies got pushed back. So like, I think like you know, I'm not gonna go crazy. I just think Eternals will plant the seed for for the mutant gene. That's kind of kind of the the, the point of it. Um, but to your point, Mike, with one with Black Widow, I think true. Like we don't know what the M what, what Red Guardian's history is in the MCU, right? So there could be something there that they're going to talk about and everybody like oh i saw this in falcon and the winter soldier and then you know and then we would have had that reverse effect had the pandemic not happened be like oh this is in the fucking black widow movie um 
so yeah, I think I think they're definitely I think they're definitely going to do that. And to your point, Seabass, of us getting individual stories of people working on something with the blip and kind of coming back in. I think until I think they may milk that for a good while because the blip was the snap mm-hmm. was such a big thing in comic book history and lore and we got it in the movies but we still need to make it make a human element of it so spider-man did it in a very joking way with them coming back in basketball wandavision did it in a more serious way where monica rambeau came back in the same hospital room where her mother was but her mother's been dead for three years so like it's a whole thing and now we're getting this situation where this guy was working on the super soldier serum based off uh, isaiah's blood and he was right there working for the government and then the government was like we're done. He starts working for the power broker and now we're here. So I think we're going to get little bits and pieces of characters that may not, that you know, that could be red shirts and die or become main players, but it's just bringing that human element of Thanos' snap across the MCU and not just how it affected our heroes. Right. And Emilio's going to join you on this. Is that it's impossible to make the Celestials responsible for the mutant gene through the Eternals? Yes, that's totally agree because I think that the Celestials did have something to do with the mutant gene too in the comic. Law, what is your opinions about this? With um, again with the the blip, the scientists coming back, like I'm, it was just a Monday for him. You I'm know. co-signing with Tone on this one. I think like they're really going to milk this for a while and give us these stories that like are going to be callbacks for you know us to either look back at older movies and older you know stuff or be the like the loose threads that we constantly are like trying to you know pick at and, and scratch at um you know it's it's dope that we're getting it the way we have been because it we've seen like the like like tone said we've seen how spider-man did and how wanda and, and whatnot i'm looking to see what they do on a even more small scale for the most part like you know if they do decide to use daredevil again and those characters mm-hmm. like how that interact uh, like how that um you know time like you know was was for them um and then even uh on a um even smaller smaller scale doing something where you don't even have to have superheroes villains in this sh- yeah. in this potential show where you're just having people going through their lives and trying to pick up those pieces and like they're just characters in the Marvel universe but for but for them they're just regular joes and schmoes and whoever in this grander like oh shit like you know I was here for the first avengers you know when you know blah blah, blah everything was going down in Manhattan I stayed in New York because this is where I'm from this is where I live and then I get blip like you know a couple years later came back and now my life is even more in turmoil like i want to see those stories that kind of play out where like people are just like what are the effects like even to the effect of what zemo said like zemo was like when was the last time you guys ever visited like the monuments and stuff and they were he's like i figured so that little nugget of information of just like well what does it look like from the other side mm-hmm. i would love to see that I think we're going to get more of that too, because um, like I, I, I remember people asking like, you know, what's happened with the people with the blip, all this universe is like, you know, Marvel's like just trying to like go by and everything. How did the world get built and all that? I think we're seeing those repercussions in the recent shows, especially in Falcon and Soldier with um, the Flag Smashers, the Rise of the Power Broker, the guy, the scientist who came back for the blip, which again, getting into the Power Broker again, because this episode is called the Power Broker. So we know he hired a scientist. Make the super soldier serum. Here's the other thing. Um, 
do we seeing that the flag smashers have stolen some of that and used it on themselves do you guys believe that there are more people out there that they're setting up that the power broker has given these abilities to because again the power broker is notorious oh mike will lead into you with this one uh, oh, quick quick question beforehand did so we know the actual count of what the guy made and what was handed out right they there was i think it was like six flag smashers and i think he had like 20 files i think i think it was so some there, so there's some like a there's like number. let's say there's like four or five that are missing right like because I, I that's what i was i was yeah, like i yeah, think the flag smashers have the rest Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what okay. I think. I think they have it all, and then the 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 fucking Breaking Bad sort of situation over there that got blown up. So no one's <laughs> ma- no one's making any more uh, for a good while. Ew. The Mets lab. <laughs> um, so yes. Yeah. So, Mike, I'm sorry. Mike. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got I got to say the one thing that I think is pretty fun is that uh, you have uh, the leader of the Flag Smashers, Emphis Ness from Solo. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and we're kind of like on a similar mission, right? <laughs> Right, so uh, that that that's entertaining. But yeah, no, absolutely. There's more of that super soldier serum that's out there, and and, and that's obviously where I think we're going to be heading in the, for the remainder of this show. But then going forward, you know, um, in the after effects, because whoever whoever that does get, you know, distributed out to, I mean, some of it will carry over into future storylines. It's not all going to be resolved. We have what three more episodes of the show, so there, yeah. there's going to be a lot of loose threads after this. I think. I'm just waiting for Screamy Mimi because, you know, Screamy Mimi is one of the clients for the power broker. And, you know, when she comes, Thunderbolts is definitely coming right behind that. Um, Aniva, go ahead. What, what do you do? You think that there's going to be more of uh, those super soldiers coming out? They definitely better bring them out, man. If they already set it up like that, I'm, I'm waiting. You know, like uh, this is another thing, another possibility, another avenue that they open for possibilities to keep, you know, people like myself and obviously everybody else tuned in and coming back for more so yeah i, I definitely i'm rooting for that i i hope there is some more super soldier serum out there for sure and let's go to the crowd real quick so emilio law makes a great point what was wrong with daredevil the dcu does the tv shows and the mac movies definitely better than marvel which i agree with they do they do the shows a little better um and i know that was the marvel it wasn't Feige hey, in charge of the TV shows. <laughs> Christian, hey guys, have a seen So yes, Christian, we'll fool you in some more, brother. Um, <laughs> Salazar, hello. I'm late on the podcast. My bad. It's all good. All good. Uh, all good. Oh, good. Just appreciate you joining us, Doctor Doomdrop. Doctor Doomdrop. Not yet, but we're all I waiting. Mean, appara- apparently, there was. I didn't catch it. I didn't catch it. I know some of the other lore. Easter egg stuff has been talking what? about Doom, but I haven't. I didn't. I haven't. I haven't caught it, and I don't think I've watched them all yet to to talk on it. I do think uh, I like the juxtaposition of Baron Zemo and how he is, you know, from where he's from, and then potentially bringing in a Doctor Doom and seeing those two interact. I think in the future would be pretty cool. Ooh, but uh, uh, but I, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have. I don't have anything else. I, f- I feel he's going to be introduced in Black Widow, or at least there's going to be some mention there. I think that's the place where we're going to get that. So because yeah. kind of yeah. do something, they're going to need something juicy. That's going to be like your end credit scene. That's that's just my gut. Yeah, it was like, and I know we're that going. Makes we're, the most we're, sense. Yeah, we're sidetracking real really quick, but I know I was talking to some friends of mine, and a friend of mine had said something he was really looking forward to, and obviously this is you know before the 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 unfortunate passing of of Chadwick Boseman, but the idea of having Chadwick as T'Challa and then having 
Victor at the United Nations and like them going at it, mm. uh, like just verbally about like the their countries and like yeah. what they're doing. I think uh, that would have been would have been would have been really cool to see just because of their their mindsets. And Emilio just touched up on this. An egg was that it is assumed ah, that Latavia really, pillars yeah. Zakovia. Yeah, that's something quick that you I I missed yeah. that. Too. I wouldn't put it past them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With all that uh vibrami vibrami vibranium yep. there. <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about something exciting that happened in the episode. First of all, the return of Sharon Carter, mm -hmm. and we learn how much of a badass Zemo is. Like, how did you guys feel about these scenes when we're seeing Sharon Carter? Especially when we got Sharon Carter. Fending off all these dudes while they're in there talking yeah. to the scientists. How did you guys feel about these action sequences and then seeing Zemo just come out and just being a badass? Uh, we'll lead into um, Aniba with that. Uh, when I first saw her, uh, just, you know, her interactions with them, I immediately was like red flag. I'm like, yo, she's she's playing them. You know, so she went along with their plan too easily. Um, you know, they basically fucked her life you know and she's on the run now because of these, and she's just gonna agree out of the blue they just show up to help them out like that and then i was really really convinced at the end when she was like you know we have a couple of problems and i was like okay now you know that just that just confirmed what i was already thinking but on your on your point i like the way that it played out uh in terms of she's badass it like they know she's badass enough to take care of her own and, and watch over them while they're doing their thing so the way they 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 played that i was cool and on top of that she needed to show to them that they could trust her. So what better way to do that than, you know, have their back. But again, yeah, she, she, she's up to no good, man. I, I'm calling and I think, I think she's a double agent. <laughs> well, like, I was just going to say, she's no Peggy Carter, right? You know, so, and, I mean, and, and appropriate that in the show, we're getting like the anti Peggy Carter, right? And, and, oh, and yeah. in the first, because. I mean, like we're really focusing on that difference of Captain America and, you know, and that, that was part of his legacy. So now we're seeing her and the new stuff that's going on around that too. So Tony law. So, uh, so I think, so to, to be really, <laughs> yes, 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 he did. He didn't dance with her. He went into the ice. Then he was with the niece, and then he went back in time to be with the aunt. That's what he did. <laughs> got to get that. I'm, got not, I'm, not, I'm not mad at it. Like, you're not, not have mad you at it. Seen Didn't Jack Nicholson have a movie like that? There was a movie with Jack Nicholson where he, he hit up the mother, the daughter, and the grandmother, something like that. I wouldn't Wait, put it past I, him either. Right. I, I have a theory now. Uh, just listen to Aniba and Mike. What if Sharon Carter is the power broker? Uh, that would be an interesting twist. Whoa! I mean, I've seen well, some other I'm, theories of who the power broker is, but I think we can let me get to this, and then we can, if we want to yeah, talk um, about that. Um, before we start, fucking Zemo's dad dance highlight of the show. Highlight <laughs> <laughs> of the show. He's yeah. like just like just going. Um, but no, I we got to we got to see Sharon, we got to see Car Sharon Carter with the gloves off, with none of that shield protocol protecting her, yes. like, like saying you can't do this, you can't yeah. do that. Um, and I was completely here for it. Uh, Ani, about to your point of her kind of being on the on the flip side or kind of working for the power broker, I wouldn't go that far, but I think she's more about she's so jaded after her events. She's all about number one. So she's definitely got an like, agenda. Yeah, you know I mean? there's, right. there's an agenda. Yeah, I think definitely. she's about number one. Yeah. She's watching right. her back first right. priority. So like she'll yes. help them because like they have a, a history, but right. like she's not she's not sacrificing herself and she's gonna protect oh. her own. She's already um, done. 
<laughs> yeah. So like, and then, uh, and then the, the the fight scenes with her in the fucking in the fucking crate yard, the shipyard, top notch. Like she she doesn't even she doesn't need no super soldier serum. She's like she's just kicking ass, taking names, taking out all these red shirts of the power broker like it was no one's business. I was yeah. completely here for it. Given a run for given a run of the money for both Bucky and for for Falcon. Like it was just she did it with style. I was like here for it. <laughs> like yeah. it, it gave me John Wick vibes. Like yeah. it was oh, very yes. John Wick, yeah, the way she was taking out absolutely. those dudes. So I, I was here for it. I would like to start with going back and like the reintroduction, reintroduction of Zemo, like the way he threw hands, the way how tactically was like going through the uh, like the breakout, mm-hmm. and then seeing later on, not only is he gifted, like you know, like he's brilliant and smart and all this other stuff and manipulative, but he was actually able to hold his own and i wasn't really really expecting that and then that like line that he was like i was a baron before you know all of this yeah. and i was like there it is like there's the like you know you guys see me as some like run of the mill guy who lost everything and i was like, out for you guys but you don't understand how much i lost like because i was here i was literally at the top of the world um and they really like highlighted that in this episode where he knows everyone and he can do so much he's not just some like you know some uh some brainy you know pushover for the most part which i which i really enjoyed seeing with sharon um to anybody's uh, point there was a point where in the beginning which like it was like oh you guys have a guardian angel because of those sniper shots i was like how in the world like i get it maybe zemo you know, was a red flag for her, and they, you know she starts showing up to like kind of you know watch her back, watch her own back, and protect her own stuff, but also kind of watch their back. But it felt so like in the end, especially after she drove off, I was just like, this doesn't like something just didn't feel yeah. right. Yeah. And you know, to your point, when when you were like, you know, it feels like she's looking out for number one, it tracks at least for me. And I don't want to, you know, again like Tone said, like I don't want to go down, you know, looking for fan theories and all this other shit, but. If they do make the reveal, even if she is, you know, the power broker or she's not, I I'm leaning just towards the the she's in it for herself right now. Um, like she has, she's made a life for herself, and you know she has she have she's accepted that she can't go home, mm-hmm. so she's she doesn't have anything to you know to lose other than what she's now built outside mm-hmm. of Shield, outside of the states and whatnot. So she's protecting that because once she loses that. Now mm-hmm. she really has nothing, you know what I mean? She, you know, she can't go back to anything. So I think she was really, you know, just trying to protect, you know, what she's been able to do in this uh, amount of time since we, since we last seen her or even heard about her. Uh, the fight scenes, though, it gave me even more until she started like actually killing them. Because originally, uh, one, she didn't go into the uh, into the tank uh, into the tanker with them, and yeah. I was like, oh, she's just watching their back. But then I was like, what if? If the uh, if the scientist knew her as the power broker, he would have mm. recognized her and been like, "What are you doing here with them?" Like, you know what I mean? Um, and then, like at first, she was using like non-lethal force. And I don't know if you guys picked up like she had the baton, the center knockouts, and you know chokeholds. And then she started doing like the knife throws, and then she started using guns and like whatever the case was, started like escalating. But the first few guys. She kind of just did like non-lethal like force and just knockouts and stuff. So I was like, that seems very calculated. Maybe I'm just reading into it, and you know I could be, and I'm here for it. 
But that was like my take on on, on those two for this episode. I want to bring up some comments. So Emilio, again, um, Sharon was using the Nick Fury phone in the episode, though she might be working with Fury. This is a very strong possibility. Uh, Michael goes, I was a little confused why Falcon had to be someone else. Anyone wants to clarify that, especially when, why doesn't everyone know who the Falcon is, even if the banker from the last episode knew him? Um, I think that he had to point out to the banker who he was. So the banker didn't know who he was right away. Um, and I think that was more of like, you know, the, I think in the picture, uh, Anthony Mackie is the one in the picture. He's actually the person in the photo with the yeah. longer, like, you know, normal beard, beard that we know him to have. Um, yeah. So they're trying to imply that he's a very good lookalike. And because this guy is like a man of few words and, you know, similar statures and builds, yeah, he can get away with, you know, that and not just be like, you know, walking red target because essentially you were walking in with Zemo and Winter Soldier. Well, who's this guy? You can't walk in with Falcon, but this guy looks almost exactly like you. So long as you don't mess that up, you can kind of, you know, use that cover. And that's why you also put your phone on silent and shut it off on stealth missions, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Salazar, um, from, my, uh, from my layman's point of view, I thought the episode hinted she was a power broker. I wasn't that much into Cap comic books, so I don't know all the stuff you guys know. Um, as far as Nobody it goes, knows day, stuff you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> We're still finding because again, like, and I and I like that what Marvel is doing because um at the end of the day, it's not just classic lore they're taking; they're also taking stuff that like the ultimate stuff and all that, like from the ultimate comics. They're mixing it up, making the MCU this big thing. And I like about it because the next subject we're getting to is John Walker because they're actually putting a lot of stuff from John Walker's um run in the comics. Um, and we see him now walking with Battlestar, and to me, I was gonna I'm... point out the the only thing, the one that the thing I wanted to bring up before. Uh, you remember when they all got into the car, and he goes, "You're not gonna move up your seat." That was a callback to way back in the oh uh, yeah, when the roles reversed. Yep, so war. He's like, "You're not gonna move up your seat." And he was like, "Nah." Yeah. So no. that was the, that was a fun uh, callback. Well, I wanted to get into this, but that was a fun call, but because it shows their playful characters. Mm -hmm. And again, that's the characterization. But again, getting into characterization, which is something I want to get on, is that we're seeing John Walker in this episode. And I want to ask, did anybody get the feeling that he looks like he's cracking under the weight of having to be Captain America? And Mike, I want to lead into you with your thoughts on that. Absolutely. He's realizing it's, you know, and, and I mean, you saw that in episode two when, when they had like that flashback. You know, like it, it's it's quite the uh, weight to bear, you know, and I mean, obviously the show is called Falcon and Winter Soldier. One of the two is going to get the shield back by the end of this show, I'm sure, you know, and and we're seeing, you know, what the um, what the big shoes that John has to fill, you know, and I mean, like, again, we we're talking about like these little subtle things like, you know, I've, I'm I've. I, I, one of my favorite scenes in the first Captain America movie, and this is going back to the second episode, um, was the, um, the the USO show that they did with the music. Oh yes, right? and 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 that's that's cool if you're if you're a Disney person. That music was done by Alan Menken, who did uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Little Shop of Horrors. He wrote all that music. He wrote that song. But um, again, just filling those big shoes that he has when when he's introduced to the world at that football game, or when he's introduced to his old school at the football game. If you listen to the band, they're playing that song from the first Captain America. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. that's a nice call. I didn't realize that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was it. Uh, uh, all, all. So, so man. So it's uh, 
someone pointed that out, like that same thing where they're using uh, Steve's original music when he did the USO show. Yes. But notice when we first uh, hear Steve's music that we heard in Endgame, I forget what, uh, what I think what it was, it was like maybe Civil War or something like that, one of those, uh, or, or it might've been uh, actually uh, Winter Soldier where we hear the, the same music when he caught Mjolnir and we heard that music that was a callback to Winter Soldier because that, that's showing like the differences of like he's no longer playing by the rules of like you know the government kind of thing. Man, and I'm um, just watching to Michael Sarmatino, whom I guess I can agree with that assessment. Falcon should have just sat that one out though. Yeah, he should have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, just stay, stay in the car. Stay in the car. Go birds. Come on, dude. Stop <laughs> this shit. But anyway, how, how do you think that um, John Walker is cracking under pressure and that um, his boy Battlestar is noticing? Um, I, I, I'm going to uh, get into a point that I saw one of you guys mention. I think it was Law, where he compared him to uh, what's the bad guy in the boys, the Superman guy? Uh, oh, Homelander. Homelander. He's definitely got that thing going on where it's like he's this all-American, you know, supposedly, you know, boy next door looking guy on the surface. But right underneath, you just see that bubbling kind of, you know, spoiled Brad. I want my own way no matter what kind of personality peeping out. And he's definitely on the brink. You know, he can't influence people with his words and and, and be the leader that he's, he thinks he's supposed to be. So. He's going to resort to that inner, you know, that inner child, like my way, my way, you know, no matter what, at all costs. And that's definitely happening. And again, I'm tuning in for that shit. <laughs> I want to see that guy come out. You know, I'm, I'm totally interested in it. Initially, I wasn't too interested in, in the casting. I thought he was just too like nerdy looking to be Captain America. I was like, it could have just, you know, if he, if, if Captain America wore a full mask where you don't see his face, maybe he would have worked. Right. <laughs> but, you know, just the personality and what they're trying to go for it. His, his looks actually do fit because he's almost like the perfect looking specimen, but he's not. So he, he he's like the, the opposite of the, the real Captain America in that sense. So, yeah. If, if, yeah. I, can go back, if I can go back to what you were saying too, Law, um, you know, the entitlement, right? Yeah. Steve, yeah. Steve yeah. was pure, right? Yeah. That little scrawny guy, he was pure as the yeah. heart and just who he was as a person. Right. And that's not something that, that's not something that someone you know, um, like that, that's just who he was. You can't teach that basically. That's, that's mm -hmm. you or it's not you. Yeah. This guy doesn't have it. He definitely feels entitled. Like he needs to be the leader that he believes he can be. And he needs you to believe that. And if like, you don't, then that little kid is going to come out, you know, me, 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 my, my, mine, you know, that guy. Like so. when, Bucky, when Bucky said to him, have you ever jumped on a grenade? He's like many times, you know, but <laughs> not like that scene in the, in the movie. With right. The, the right. Dead, right. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I love that because again, this is this is literally John Walker's character. The actor is portraying him really well. It's literally the character being pulled from the pages of the comics. Um, which is another question again that Bex asked. But first we got a comment here where Dave goes to see supervillains last long at this um in these trilogies at most under interesting. Thanks to Tone, the stash lives on. Yes, Dave, you know you love the stash. We're going stash to have a stay. <laughs> and Emilio goes on. Um, Anibal has a great point. Walker was what they would have figured would have been perfect for the serum in World War II, but not their asking knew yep. better. He did. Yep. And yep. and the great thing is that, that John Walker and the power broker, the power broker has a big history in John Walker's origin story, which again, I'm waiting to see it because that's who John Walker gets the super soldier serum from. And eventually he ends up giving up the Captain America moniker 
and becomes a secret agent known as U.S. Agent. Pretty much he is in a black outfit that's reminiscent of Captain America's outfit. There you go. He becomes the actual monkey that Steve drew that is like doing the yeah. song and dance for you know the government. Yeah. Yeah. And and yes, Omni Man <laughs> is the man. That's yeah. all I gotta say. But, uh, but uh, well, well, one thing, just to, one thing, just to just to kind of get on to that too is that I think, you know, I I hear what everyone's saying about like his entitlement and like this little kid and all this other stuff, but Steve didn't answer to nobody but his ideals. Mm -hmm. So Steve didn't have pressure because whatever he was doing, he was a hundred percent for, and this was right. This dude answers to someone whether it's the dude who gave him the shield that we saw at the pedestal or mm -hmm. or someone else like there is someone on him yeah. that is giving him orders that he needs to do and the right. pressure of both living up to this title and getting the job done because he's a soldier i think is what's getting to him and he's getting to that point of like let's do anything at all costs because he matches that to to Battlestar. so i think mm -hmm. you know we definitely want to take into consideration too that yeah, he's trying to be the best Captain America that he can be, based off obviously the show, not comic book history. Yeah. Uh, but there is immense pressure from the government, his superiors, mm -hmm. that he just is not—he's just not living up to it because mm -hmm. he doesn't have the secret. He doesn't have the secret sauce that we saw in First Avenger. He doesn't yeah. have it. Mm -hmm. He's just a really good soldier, and he's really right. good at his job. But right. he's not Captain America, who has freedom and ideals for the greater good of the Art. entire world not just the country of origin and that's just Art. like the whole you know i think that that those pressures are building up i'm just yeah. waiting for him to give up the shield and get his energy shield man he had that energy uh, shield in the comics. i don't know if it's give up shield otherwise known as he about to get that work no I he cannot wait he had a tragic he had a tragic backstory that Made him. Oh, I, I, I saw the history of. I know his tragic backstory. I'm with it, but he's still gonna catch those hands, especially <laughs> the vibranium arm of uh, Bucky. <laughs> but let's go get into Car um, Carly Meganthal's character um, again. Emphasis Ness. That's that's how we're gonna see her as Emphasis Ness. Mike brought up that point. Yes, she is always gonna be Emphasis Ness because she was a badass as that character. But I like again, we're getting this actress playing um, a new character. They gender swapped the role for her, and I think she's doing a phenomenal job. And the fact is that she's the leader of the Flag Smashers. We haven't seen them really kill anybody. But now it's like, where do you think the transition is going for this character now after she just blew up a building that they just robbed for uh, medicine and food with people inside them? What were your guys' feelings on that? Where do you think the character is going? Is she going full-blown villain? Um, Mike, we'll lead into you in this one. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a hard call. I, I, I don't know. I mean, she, she really is one of those characters that can go, go either way. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm sitting there watching her and, and I don't know. Cause again, going back to Emphasis Ness, like that was one of those characters that went either way. Right. So she's <laughs> playing that. Right. Um, I, I don't know. Or, or is she going to be maybe somebody that comes in at the end and helps out Bucky and, uh, and Sam too. I'm not, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I want to see how she's going to develop. That's my question. Aniba, um, I I actually like uh, the direction that they're going with her. I I, I think I empathize with uh, rebels to a certain degree. You know, people that do the wrong things for their own right reasons. I kind of empathize with her in that in that 
uh, respect. She has definitely crossed the line now into, into more more than you know murder. You know that's that's beyond stealing and everything else she was doing. Uh, but again, I, I'm you know I'm with Mike on that one. I'm not too sure what their you know what their angle with her is right now. I know I do definitely empathize with her. If I was there in, in that universe, I'd probably be down with her. <laughs> I'd be the I'd be the getaway driver or something. You know what I mean, I, I I would be down for the cause. And um, you know, again, that's good writing on 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 the show creators that again they made her somebody that I can relate to and I can care about. But as far as where they're taking her, yeah, it's you know, I don't know. Law. I'm curious to see where they take her. Yeah. Although, like, I don't know much of like her comic book origin story, like where like uh, that right. plays into into like the bigger kind of Marvel universe, at least the one that they're creating yeah. now in in the movies. Um, but I, you know, I'm with these guys where like I empathize with her. I see her at first. I didn't really see her as the villain in that she was just trying to do right. Like even right. even you know in the early episodes, they said mm-hmm. like she's not it's like it's hard to like kind of change the favor or try to get people to snitch her out when she's the one helping them you know yeah. what i mean you can't you can't yeah. you know kind of force that exactly. so i'm here for that but then like her going that's the only way that they'll listen was like oh you wrong for that but it's not wrong because we've seen many times throughout the marvel cinematic universe that like it's almost like this might meets right. Like, um, what's his name? Uh, the Red Red uh, Hulk. Right? Yeah. I think Ross. 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 Ross is the definition of sending the guns, ask questions later. Like, he'll, he'll, do, he'll do protocols and stuff, you know, all, all you know, Sokovia Accord bullshit. But as long as he's the one pulling the trigger, he doesn't care where he's firing it. And I think that's what she's seeing and, and feeling like, yo, if we want to get anything done, we have to play it like how they play it. And it's messed up, but you know, yeah. I'm I'm still I'm with I'm with these guys. I empathize. Mm-hmm. And Michael San Martino says, uh, would it kill Disney to drop a punch yeah. to carry on the background somewhere? Yes, we would love that. Oh, we would I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, Emilio goes, um, no true bad guy looks at himself as a bad guy. Right. Got to judge people uh, by what they yeah. do, not what they say. She's corrupt and deserves to get what's coming to her. Um, I mean, I'm going to get Tone's thoughts on this too, but um, I, for me, saw this was that they showed that someone close to her dies. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like she is at this point where it's like, you know, I don't have anything else to lose. I'm just going to go out there. And she said it, that line was that, you know, this is the only way that they're going to recognize us pretty much with what she did. Like, was it what she had to do? But it's like, she's got this radical belief and it's like, you know, she believes that the world was better during the blip. So Take it away with Memphis Ness. Um, so you 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 hit the you know that was kind of that was my mark too is the fact that she saw one of her colleagues get gunned down to pr- to protect them. So like to everyone's point of like you know violence begets violence and all other fun stuff and of them, I, I think we're we're I think we'll we'll see how it goes. My interesting take is what the rest of the crew is gonna think. Right. Because the first two episodes, we saw the Flag Smashers as like this selfless group of people who went through the super soldier serum trying to give back and help people in need, uh, kids, right. the poor, people who are sick, 
like all this stuff that the that the um, the global the GRC isn't doing right. And it felt very like democratic Robin Hood sort of thing. But now after this happened, after she kind of flips that switch, because sometimes what what we see in comics or in movies or like all it takes is like one bad day, right? One bad day. And then that flip switches and then there's no coming back. So like, is she at that point where she's not coming back and is she going to live up to the mantle of the villain, the flag smasher that we see in the comic and is the flag smashers organization where it seemed very democratic and kind of all together now going to be more authoritarian under her views because her friend looked real like, like he was looking at her real sus. Like he still drove away. <laughs> yeah, he still yeah, dropped yeah. the van. But he was like, "All right, I didn't, I didn't sign up to just kill people who are just tied up to to poles, even though they were holding on to food stores for six months." Yeah. So I think right. um, if we get more of an interaction between like the internals of the Flag Smashers and seeing how that happens in the last three episodes, uh, I think I think it'll be it'll be cool. Now I want to. Now we're gonna get to the nice little ending of the episode. The one thing when Bucky was like, "Tell Zemo and and Falcon, like, Johan, I'll catch up to you guys." Started picking up these um, you know, these little balls, these these little things, these little marbles, and then we get Io from the um Dora Milaje from Wakanda. Yeah. So we all know Wakanda, Wakanda. So again, this illustrates Bucky's connection to Wakanda. But are we going to now see um Wakanda? The um the Dalai Mirage um and their secret agents chase Bucky um chase not Bucky I'm sorry Zemo down similar to how they did Claw in Black Panther um and anybody we'll go we'll start with you um well I I think that uh she's basically you know the the obvious thing to me is she's trailing them because she's aware that Zemo's back on the loose and obviously the connection to you know Zemo killing. Um, you know, having his hand to do with killing uh, King T'Chaka is there. So obviously she wants to know what's going on. She's going to keep close eyes on that dude and what they're up to, you know, wherever they go. Um, and again, hats off to Marvel again. They did it again. They laid down that little, you know, that little breadcrumb there in case that's the avenue they want to take. And keeping me interested, keeping me guaranteed to tune in again. Am I going to see some Wakanda stuff in here now? You know what I mean? So brilliant, you know, just brilliantly executed. Mike. Well, I just want to show you, I did step away because I had to grab this in honor. My little FS Ness figure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no. I'm doing nothing, but I just got my Godzilla figure here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the removable helmet, but anyway, um, it, no, it, it, I think that was cool. That whole Wakanda thing. I mean, and we already know they announced Disney's going to, there's going to be a, a, a Warriors of Wakanda. So, there's going to be some spin-off series. So, oh, that I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. So again, there, I'm sure okay. she's probably going to be one of the stars of that show. And oh, this wow. is gonna be some okay. of the groundwork for what that will yes. be going forward too. But no, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's sad that ha what happened with Chadwick Boseman, but I mean, yes. Black Black Panther. I mean, to Dis that that is like a that is a outside of Marvel stuff. That is a cash cow for Disney. You know, it is a popular thing. People love that. Like they're even opening a Wakanda park to the Disney park in California now. So uh, absolutely, adding this whole like Wakanda element to the show, they're just going to pull in more people, and it's going to be a neat twist right. to see how she's fought, like you said, following them and how she's going to get tied up. And who, and I mean, again, you, we never know who can still show up in the show. If anybody else will show up from that world in the, in this storyline. We got three more episodes. We don't know. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, Law. 
Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. I think like what these guys said, like uh, we're gonna definitely see more of them for sure. But I think the connection to Zemo because of King Soccer, like like Anabasa was like, oh snap, like that's you know, he's on the loose. Like he's not someone that like you can trust. We know what he's capable of. We know what you know. Like at a drop of a hat, he's he can you know turn tail, run, and you know be on the loose. So it's one of those like Bucky, I'm I'm gonna watch you, and I'm gonna you know have you know have eyes on you. But the minute this goes south, I'm gonna get Zemo. You can't stop me, and if you get in my way, I'm gonna whoop your ass. Like that, like that was like, that was the whole vibe right there. Um, so let's see what happens. I'm looking forward to more of it, and I'm really, really, really hoping that we get to see like a lot more of Wakanda in like this. If we if we have like this nugget and that's it, okay, cool. But I, I feel like they're gonna give us a little bit more, and I really hope that they do. And Michael Samarcino Storm. Yes, I think we may get Storm in the Black Panther movie. Nice. I will not be surprised. But so go ahead. It's what, not what, a realm of possibilities. Um, so I gotta, you know, give it up. You know, I know Anibal talked about it briefly too, is that like, we knew, like, you know, watching civil war that Zemo was the reason why T'Chaka was killed. But like the fact that the episode started with them dropping T'Chaka's name, just kind of going over the rap sheet of Zemo. And you're kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's valid. He did all that shit. Kind of just whatever, keep it moving. Not even thinking it was to bring Wakanda in. Yeah, in the last like scene of the movie and the, of the episodes, so I really felt like that the uh, just bringing that fore that foreshadowing that we didn't know we were getting was just really brilliantly done. That, uh, uh, and, you know, yeah, and like you know we've got you know we've got the bit, um, you know, and also what's interesting too, it's not only do we have the the door machine coming, but we have one of the door machine that was there in uh, that was there when yeah. T'Chaka was killed. Yeah, like she was one of the ones that were there. So it makes sense that she'll be the one that's hunting down uh, Zemo. And then to your point, Law, that we were talking about maybe a couple episodes ago, how does this tie in to the White Wolf? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm 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 a hundred percent I'm a hundred percent here for more Wakanda, especially Wakanda being kind of just being driven in to the MCU, even if we're not in the in the country, but just there, just them everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Emilio um, goes to show how much the streaming is truly blurring the lines between the TV shows and the movies because now we have Mackie, Stan, Daniel Brill, Wakanda, and Secret Agents from the movies. Soon there won't be any barrier dividing the two anymore, which is actually true because Kevin Feige, when he was doing the movies, he originally, after I think Avengers, the first one, had to now report directly to Disney. He no longer had to report to Marvel, mm-hmm. which created the Marvel movie studios. And the Marvel Comics was different. Marvel Comics at the time was in charge of the show. So that's why the shows were different. Now that Feige has control over all of it, his goal was to use the shows to further the lore for the movies, which is what we're seeing. So a lot of stuff that we couldn't see in the movies, he's now using the TV shows for that. Um, So everything being released on the Disney um, Plus app um, for Marvel is going to directly be involved with the MCU. Um, shows. And it's not like they're, these are like not big name A list actors who are like, you know, running their own movies and, you know, out of bigger TV shows as well. But to have them like just blur the lines of like, oh, we're, we were just in Endgame or we were just in Ant Man or whatever the case is. And then pop, we're in like 
one or two episodes or a couple episodes of like this TV show where we normally think TV show smaller scale that like, now nah, we're bringing out all the guns for this. I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. But we're at that hour, guys. So what we're going to do now, because we covered the whole Falcon Winter Soldier, we're going to recommend please watch Invincible. Um, who's watched Khan yes. and Godzilla uh, versus Godzilla? That was a big slobber knocker. Yes. Khan got the work. <laughs> the humans are useless, but we got the kaiju fight, and I was here for it. Yeah. How did you, uh, Mike, who did you have? Who, who, who did you have winning that fight? Uh, you, you know what? I, I, I was thinking Kong, obviously. Um, but I mean that that movie. I, and I watched all the other movies leading up to it. I'm like, what? I, I was like jaw dropped because I'm like, there's a whole bunch of story that's missing from this movie. Yes, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's for sure, for sure. What's going on? Adiba. Thank you, thank you. Yo. Did you did you watch uh, did you watch Kong? Did you get to see it? Three times, bro. Oh wow! wow. I, I went on opening Kong day. I, I went to like a, a middle of the day showing. Good, good. Wow! Good. So team, good. team Kong. I was team, team Kong, man. I was, I was, I love Godzilla, but I was team Kong. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, wow. I was a little, I was a little disappointed the way you know the way it, it transpired. I don't want to you know spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but yeah, I was a little disappointed. Total there. spoilers. Tony Stark died. But I was, uh, I was, I was team Godzilla here. from the jump when I saw that trailer and they 100%. gave and they gave that stupid monkey a fucking axe. I was like, yo, what the hell is this? <laughs> what is this? Yo, use your natural abilities, you stupid ape. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I'm a monkey. I have thumbs. Everyone's like, he's going to thumbs. And, I, and you know what? And I got I, fucking I knew, atomic breath, no, motherfucker. He, he had no chance. It's like, you know, Batman versus Superman. But, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic, man. You know, that, we, don't, we don't bring up that movie here. No, no. That's, that's, uh, that, Maybe he was talking movie. about, like, actual Batman versus Superman and not the movie BVS. Right, 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 right. Just in general. In general. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, me, let me just ask a really stupid question right so you know that they, they the the scientists the government um they they set they set kong up really for a disaster why didn't they just fly in the yeah. place right <laughs> that because, was so dumb because we need the battle in in godzilla's like territory for territorial advantage and then oh. we needed to test the fucking buoyancy of battleships with two kaiju on top of them. It makes right. no sense. It, like, I hope someone does, like, the math of, like, how much oh placement a battleship could do for these two. It, like, I watch, like, I don't usually let the science and stuff, like, really get to me. But when I was watching it by myself and I saw those two motherfuckers stand on top of that thing, I was like, nah, fam. Yeah, guys, come on. That, that King Kong diehard moment when he jumped in the fire. Come on, that was just a badass yeah. visual, man. Come on, you gotta get I'm, it. I'm here for the visuals. I'm here for the visuals. Oh, and, Kong, and Kong was cool, but you're dealing with a nuclear like yeah. reactor. So like, so like, was grinning at him, like, yeah, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kong represented to the end, bro. He roared his ass. And then even to beat Mecha Godzilla, he still needed Godzilla's help to to fucking upgrade his axe. All right, yeah. like come on. That that that, that part was kind of back to me. The fact that Mecha Godzilla took Godzilla out so easily, but Godzilla's fire could burn a hole all the way down down into like the core of the yeah, earth. Right? He should have melted Mecha Godzilla with his with, with the flame. Right? Bro. That, you know, he never got him. I think I think. 
he never got a he never got a direct hit on him. Oh yeah, he, he never got yeah, he never got a clean shot. Mecca had all that crap. He had the jetpacks and the oh, missiles. Man, and he was he was he was he was faster. I don't than care what y'all say, man. Kong is the man. I don't care what y'all say, man. Well, I, I, I would give I would give him props for props to do, but Godzilla was gonna give him that work. <laughs> Well, we're at that hour, guys. I mean, yeah, we could go into Godzilla and Khan all of it. It was fun. It was a fun movie. It was fun. Was if you guys have a watch it, go, 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 go watch it. It was a though. I could have sworn he got to hit him with the flame. Now, now you got me thinking. I gotta go watch it again now. Four times. Um, let's get these guys to plug themselves because these are two awesome creators here who are doing great stuff in comics, creativity, and uniting the community. So Aníbal, we'll start with you. Where can we find um, you? What are you doing? Plug yourself away, please. All right, guys. Uh, Aníbal Arroyo. I can be found at uh, on Instagram at Arroyacus, that's my uh, handle. It's A-R-R-O-Y-O-C-U-S, Arroyacus. And uh, obviously here on Facebook, I'm on all the time. Everybody, you know, I get annoying with my my, my little videos and posts and whatever. Aníbal Tocayo Arroyo, it's right on the screen. And um, basically uh, that, you know, that's pretty much the primary way you could find me at, at the moment. And Mike, please plug away everything that you're doing with the credit chat and credit and credit con. Please plug away, brother. Cool. So you go right down here and Criticon HV, find it on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. We have weekly shows, um, interviews. We have um, a drink and draw. Like I, I was telling these guys earlier up in the Hudson Valley, October, um, April, I keep saying April 22nd. It's going to be up in Poughkeepsie. All the information's on there. This week on our show, we have we have Keith Saja Baha. Baha. I think that's how you say his name. If you watched Angel, he played um, the the vampire hunter Holtz. He was on Supernatural, the original Equalizer show. Tons of voices. He played Trigon on the first season of Teen Titans. So he's our guest this week. But go and look at the backlog. Tons of cool guests that are on there too. Guys, their links is in the description. Please follow them. Give them a subscribe, like, check out all the stuff that they're doing. Amazing creators. Again, we have the show. You're going to see them too later on in some creative interviews that we are going to put on there. So check out our creator series with all the amazing creators. If you haven't, go back on our YouTube channel. Check out all the amazing creative series interviews that we have done with amazing creators. If you want to reach out to anybody, link up. There's right there. Um, again, this has been your boy, Sebastian. Oh, I'm muted. It's your boy Law. My bad. <laughs> and your boy Tone from across the hall. And everybody have a wonderful night.